Welcome to It Is What It Is, or Is It? I'm your host, Kay Francis, a licensed marriage and family therapist from Knoxville. I'm the author and creator of The It's It's, a children's book series, and my podcast topics will draw from my 40 years of experience in the fields of psychology and business. That includes executive coaching, training, and online program development. Today, our podcast is Laughing Out Loud. We could use a lot of that, couldn't we? So without further ado, I just want to ask you, have you ever done something or said something or embarrassed yourself, causing you to laugh out loud? I know I have. I can't count the times. If this has never happened to you, I recommend you closely examine your personality and ask yourself, why do I seldom laugh out loud or laugh at myself? Ask that question. Maybe you already have. There are numerous legitimate reasons why some people are more intense than others, and there's nothing wrong with that, not at all. Some children come into this world with more serious personalities than other children and will probably tend to be more serious-minded adults. However, some women and men grew up in poverty, making life feel and look very grim. It is not a situation that promotes lightheartedness or lots of laughter. Others had faced stern parents who placed very high expectations and demands on their children, keeping them in a state of anxiety, depression, or never feeling good enough. Still, there are households where kids are dealing with ongoing chaos, alcoholism, abuse, or hostile environment. In these instances, all of them, kids simply don't have a chance to be kids. Life isn't fun if you can't feel relaxed, safe, and secure. But learning to laugh, even at yourself, to the point of laughing out loud, even if no one is there to enjoy it with you, is terrific. It releases stress, not to mention what it says about your positive outlook, despite your circumstances, whatever they have been or maybe still are, as well as it speaks to your sense of self and self-confidence. To be able to laugh at yourself when you have done something that that is a funny error or a comment, and being able to recognize the idiocy of your actions, yet have the self-assurance to laugh out loud, whether you're alone or with others, is the very response that interrupts any discomfort, embarrassment, or awkwardness you may feel. This response to your goof-ups or funny experiences, it's much healthier and more fun than berating yourself and losing out on the joy of the moment. Hopefully, you heard my podcast on humorous healing and learned why humor promotes health and increases other valuable benefits. However, today's podcast will be different in that we won't focus on the science and the benefits of humor. Instead, we will just have some laughs together. But let me say, if you haven't heard Humor is Healing, I recommend you listen and learn about this very subject. To laugh out loud is humor, but it's a more significant type. Laughing out loud demonstrates your capability to let your hair down and not take yourself too seriously. So let's just relax, and maybe today is the day you need a little laugh. I hope you will hear at least one story that tickles the laugh right out of you. Perhaps you will recall funny stories of your own goof-ups that caused you to laugh rather than feel bad about yourself. All of the stories I'm about to tell you are true and have been shared with me by friends, clients, 
and even a few of my own stories. You know, truth is always funnier because you can't just make this stuff up. I had a client who went through a shocking divorce after 35 years of marriage. She was likable, with a sweet disposition, and she was a caring person. She loved being a wife, a mom, and a grandmother. She had always pictured her life with her family intact and had no reason to think otherwise. But one day, her husband, the only man she had ever dated seriously, informed her he was leaving her to live a different lifestyle. She was shocked and became severely depressed, not having a clue about how to start over. With a lot of suggestions and time and pushing from friends, she eventually tried online dating, and her story went like this. The first date didn't match his picture. He looked 82 instead of his stated age of 60. Being the kind person she was, she followed through on the lunch and just named him Grandpa. Her second date was awkward as he only gave yes and no answers, so conversation was not stimulating in any way at all. She said the lunch date was exhausting. She didn't even bother to name him. The third date was the best. They were to meet in front of a taco restaurant that he had chosen. As she walked toward the restaurant, approaching it from the opposite direction, she could only see the back of one man sitting on a bench and no other men in the area. This man couldn't be her date because from the back he looked very unkept, a wrinkled shirt and jacket in dire need of a haircut. And she thought, oh, this poor man, I wonder if he's maybe homeless. So she walked to the front of the restaurant to wait for her date. Then the man got up from the bench, walked over to my client and called out her name. Her heart sank. He had no teeth. Her first thought was to leave, but her soft heart got in the way. So once again, she followed through with the lunch, wondered why in the world he chose in a taco restaurant, given he had no teeth. She named him Toothless Taco. As she sat in my office sharing these stories that started out with kind of a depressed way of telling them, she began laughing out loud, not at the man, but at her dating experiences and the way she was laughing, I couldn't help but laugh out loud with her. It was infectious. For some clients, despite their pain, level of anxiety, depression, or suffering, they are still able to smile and even get tickled with their mishaps. How good is that? A moment or two of comic relief from whatever is happening at the time. Here's another funny story. I worked with a male client who was gay and had a wonderful sense of humor. He traveled for his job and was in an airport on Halloween. To his surprise, many of the people traveling, both going and coming, were dressed in costume. He couldn't get over how many people dressed up while traveling. He spotted one woman who was dressed like a lady of the night. He couldn't imagine how she had done such a clever job with herself. She had a fantastic costume, and her makeup was perfect. So he walked over to her and said, I just have to compliment you on your costume. It's the best hooker costume I have ever seen. You look fantastic. In an indignant and angry voice, the lady looked at him and said, this is not a costume. He apologized, walked away quickly, and then started laughing out loud to himself. Talk about an embarrassing moment. That was it. Another woman who was a CPA shared her story. During tax time, she admitted she is a little intense and easily annoyed, given the crunch time and the long hours required to meet the deadlines. Her 11th hour clients 
are dragging in with their information last minute, but still expect her to meet the deadline. And she also talked about the clients who wanted her to perform miracles with their numbers and find a refund that they didn't qualify for. So to say she is somewhat uptight and easily annoyed during tax season is an understatement. Well, this particular night, after a very, very tough day, she stopped at the grocery store. She exited the grocery store and realized she had forgotten exactly where she parked her car. Most of us have done that at some time in our lives, and we walk up and down the lanes, building anxiety with every step, and then we think, oh my God, maybe my car's been stolen. While searching for her car, she kept hearing someone's car alarm going off, which was getting on her last nerve because she was already exasperated, overtired, annoyed, and frustrated. And she thought to herself, who is the idiot that doesn't know how to turn off their car alarm? So the more she walked, the more the alarm was getting on her nerves, and she thought, I just don't get it. Approaching her car that she finally found, she realized it was her car alarm. She got into her car and began laughing, and laughing loudly, and said, you idiot. If you are a good visualizer, you will enjoy this next story. A young secretary in a psychiatric office shared this with me. She told me that when she was initially hired, she was interviewed by the principal psychiatrist and head of the practice. He was strictly business, no smiles, no time for chit-chat, and no exceptions to his rules. As he listed her described duties and the order of their importance, he made it clear that she had to open the office no later than 7 in the morning because he came in at 7.30 and expected the office to be open, his coffee ready for him to drink, and her at her desk. Keep in mind, she was very young, and admittedly, she was naive. Well, you know, if I'd been her, I might have refused the job on the spot, given that interview. But being sweet, she agreed to the stipulations of the job, but she did tell him up front that she had never drunk coffee and therefore didn't have any idea how to make it. He took her into the kitchen, pulled out the percolator, and showed her the process. The following day, she opened the office by 7 o'clock sharp, ran into the kitchen to make the coffee, and was busy at her desk when he promptly arrived at 7.30, and she felt good. <laughs> she had got all her tasks done. A few minutes later, he came to her office and asked who made the coffee. She was so proud of herself, so with great confidence, she boldly answered, I did. He looked at her and said, well, you didn't put the top on it, and walked out. She ran to the kitchen, and sure enough, coffee was everywhere, on the floor, the cabinets, the counters, even the ceiling. She was mortified. Another therapist came in, looked at the mess and the secretary's red face, and began to laugh out loud, at which point the new and very embarrassed young girl also began to laugh out loud. What a relief for her, and I can just visualize what that kitchen looked like. Can you just see those grounds just percolating right out of that coffee pot? Well, as a footnote, the mess was never mentioned. She learned to make coffee, and 20 years later, she still works in the same office. However, the psychiatrist retired, but she did say that I think he softened over the years. Well, at least he did a little. <laughs> and let me throw in one of my stories that just happened this past week. First, you have to know that I have to get shots in both of my eyes for macular degeneration. It isn't a cure for blindness, but it can prolong the disease. Well, I've been really blessed because this is my ninth year taking shots, and so far, so good. Well, due to conflict in my schedule, 
I had to reschedule my appointment, which meant I had to go to their old location, where I went for about three or four years until they built their new office, which was closer to my home. They called and asked if I could come in an hour earlier, and that would make me the first patient. I was thrilled to comply because it can take two to three hours from beginning to end, depending on the number of patients scheduled. At the old location, my ophthalmologist office happens to be next door to my retina specialist. I entered my retina specialist office and the same receptionist was there. I will call her Sally. Sally recognized me and we briefly chatted and caught up a little as she checked me in. Sitting down, I realized I had left my phone in the car. By now, it was about 12.45. I'm still good on time. I went to the window and told Sally I needed to get my phone out of the car and that I would be right back. I returned and sat down, still the only patient in the waiting room. I opened my book and began to read. Suddenly, the waiting room filled with patients, and the nurses started calling them back. Hmm. I decided, well, I guess I wasn't the first patient after all. I looked at my watch, and it was now going on 2.30. The other patients now are leaving, and once again, I'm alone in the waiting room, thinking, I've been sitting here long enough. I think it's time I ask Sally what is happening. At that moment, I look up, and who's standing directly in front of me, and with a very anxious voice says, Where have you been? We have been looking all over for you. I said, Sally, I'm right here. She continues, we have been worried about you. I said, I'm right here. We looked in the restrooms and throughout the office and you were nowhere to be found. Again, I repeat, I'm right, I'm right here. Now I'm thinking, oh my God, Sally is so young, that poor thing. She doesn't remember checking me in. I don't want to say anything that may further upset her. And at the same time, I'm debating, how do I handle this delicate situation? She continued to tell me how they called my phone, but it was turned off. She said, we didn't know what kind of car you drove. So we began searching the parking lot in fear you were lying somewhere, hurt or ill, or God forbid, maybe kidnapped. At this point, I was getting really concerned about Sally. So I calmly apologized for making her and the others worried, but reiterated, I've never left here since I got my phone. She got quiet, looked at me and said, but you were in the wrong office. Now I'm embarrassed, realizing I wasn't watching which door I entered. And to my credit, they have a very similar layout and the same black chairs. I did think that they seemed arranged differently, but what did I know? As we walk back to my doctor's office, she tells me, you know you can't be first now. (laughs) So back to sitting and reading, knowing they all think something's wrong with Kay. She's not herself, a little off, and maybe a lot off. And she's driving? Finally, they take me back take my x-rays and have me take a seat until the tech is ready to prep my eye with what I call numbing goop. Now I have a half-closed eye and I need to go to the bathroom. And I need to go very badly. But I'm afraid to leave the chair for fear my doctor will come in. But I have to go so bad that I decide to take a chance. After all, how long can it take? Seconds, right? So I open one door and see it leads to the waiting room. That's not going to do. I open the second door, and directly across the hall, I see a door that says restrooms. I dash across the hall, go to the bathroom quickly, wash my hands, and dash back to my chair. Suddenly, Sally appears at the door again. Where have you been? We have been looking for you. Then in comes the tech who had prepped me. She looks at me, then turns to Sally, saying, I told you she was in this chair and that I had prepped her for the doctor. 
Again, I apologize for an inconvenience because it appears that the doctor did come in those seconds I was in the bathroom, only to be told that he had to leave the room and go to another patient. Well, I could hardly be annoyed with the doctor or anyone else for that matter. Then the tech apologized because the doctor now had an emergency call but would be in shortly. It's now 5 o'clock. As I sit there, I'm alone, of course, in the chair. I begin laughing out loud because all of a sudden, all I can visualize is this little gray-haired person who is shrunk, no longer five foot two, running through the parking lot, hiding from everyone. I couldn't get this silly picture out of my mind, nor could I stop laughing until the doctor walked in and politely asked me, how have you been feeling, Mrs. Francis? I answered, fantastic. When I went to check out, Sally came over again and reiterated the entire story, and there was no question in my mind about what these folks in the office thought, given their pitiful smiles at me. But I wasn't about to explain anything, but it did take me a great deal of effort not to laugh again. As I drove away, I thought Sally should sleep well tonight, considering how much she ran. She must be exhausted. I have to follow this up. This week, I had to go to that office, the ophthalmologist, so I couldn't help it. I got there deliberately a little early. It was a 2 o'clock appointment, and I walked into my retina specialist, and there was Sally, and I said, I'm here for my 2 (laughs) o'clock, and she starts fumbling through the charts and looking, and they're looking on the computer, and they're just going crazy trying to find. They said, we don't have you down. I said, you really don't? And then I looked at them because they were really concerned. (laughs) And I started to laugh. And I said, surprise, guys. I'm due next door. See you later. (laughs) And I walked out. We had a good laugh over that. Here's a story I told at a workshop. Now, many of you may have already heard this story, but please indulge me. It's one of my favorites. There was a couple who entered therapy to look for help for their 10-year-old twin daughters. When the therapist asked what seemed to be the problem, they began explaining that one daughter was very, very pessimistic, never happy or satisfied with anything, and constantly miserable. It broke their heart to see her this way, and nothing they did seemed to work. On the other hand, they explained that the other twin was over-the-top optimistic, to the point that they feared for her safety, and that her naivety could lead to trouble. They also expressed that a day would come when her bubble of optimism was going to have to burst and that the rose-colored glasses surely would come off. And then what? Would she be able to cope? The therapist sat quietly pondering, then looked up and said to the patients, Hmm, I have an easy solution for you. Both parents got very excited hearing that. Please tell us. We'll do anything just so they are happy, safe, and well-adjusted. Well, can you imagine a gift you can surprise each of your daughters with? The parents thought and thought, and, well, they said that's easy for her optimist. She wants a pony, but on the other hand, we can't very well afford a pony. The father spoke up and said, well, I do know what we might do with our pessimist. And the mother, looking surprised, said what? He said, she mentioned that Bobby next door got a new bike and that he liked it, and she kind of seemed to think that was kind of nice. Great, answered the therapist. Get the shiniest bike with all the whistles and bells, put it in her bedroom while she's at school, and when she comes home and opens her door, the surprise will delight her, and in that moment, she will experience happiness. And that's the point for her to have that experience. For your other daughter, get a wheelbarrow of fresh horse manure and dump it in the middle of her bedroom floor. The parents looked at the therapist like she had grown some kind of crazy horns, and at the same time said, what? 
patiently the therapist explained that when she opened her door and found smelly horse manure, she would experience disappointment and sadness for the first time. Well, the parents couldn't quite buy this, but they agreed and they made a follow-up appointment for the following week. Well, they arrived the following week, both looking defeated. The therapist asked, well, how did our plan work? And the father responded, you mean your plan? We did everything you told us to do. And then mom tearfully began speaking. We waited outside the door of our pessimist daughter, and what did we hear was terrible, wrenching, heartbreaking, hysterical sobbing. We rushed into the room and asked, don't you like this beautiful bike? And between sighs and sobs, the daughter answered, Bobby fell off his bike and he broke his arm and he had to go to a hospital and had scrapes all over his body. I hate this bike. All of a sudden, from the optimist room, they hear gleeful laughing, 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 and they rush into the room only to find their daughter sitting in the middle of the horse manure, laughing and flinging the manure in the air, just having a blast. And the parents asked the daughter, in complete shock, don't you know this is horse manure? And with a big smile, she said, yes, and with this much manure, I just know there's a pony in here somewhere. I bet you have some funny stories yourself. And if you would like to share a funny story with me, please email me. I promise they will show up in my podcast when you least expect it. That is, as long as they are appropriate to air. Your name will never be mentioned unless you request it. Our next podcast will be The Gift of Discernment. Have a wonderful two weeks. If you would like to submit a question or suggestion of a topic, you can email me at capital K, capital F, R is in red, A is in apple, and N is in Nancy, M is in Mary, A is in apple, the number one at gmail.com. And I'll do my best to answer as many questions as possible, and I'll also try to consider your topic. Have a safe and blessed week. And remember to be proud of who you are.